are important because they are meaningful and they are meaningful because they are memorable powerful and they personally connect us with each other in this podcast we take names faces hopes and dreams of people of all walks of life we are diverse with ages and races you will have the opportunity to hear these stories in their own words we believe your story and god's story will intersect with the stories of others god's story is revealed through scriptures Your story is revealed through experiences. Their story is revealed in life events. Our hope is that through this podcast, we will recognize that God uses every part of our stories, even the messy parts, to bring glory to himself, draw his children close, and call others into his family. This podcast is the perfect intersection between your story and God's story. We believe you will leave here inspired, encouraged, and challenge to share your story with the world. Welcome to the Scriptures and Stories podcast with your host, Rashawn Copeland. Hey, what's up everyone? My name is Caleb Davis and I am just so excited to be able to share my story and where God has led me and where he's continuing to lead me. And I hope you be encouraged by that. So my story really begins. Um, well, I'll, I'll give you a little backstory. My story starts. I was born in Orlando, Florida in November 8th, 1994. And my mom is Puerto Rican. And if you could see me right now, I don't exactly look like I belong from Puerto Rico, but I promise it's true. I speak enough Puerto Rican to back it up. But um, my dad, on the other hand, he is from Michigan and he he was a, a Navy veteran and him and my mom met in Orlando. And, you know, me and my, my I have a twin brother. We were born uh, in Florida and I lived in Florida till I was about eight years old. My dad actually worked at Disney World. Fun fact, my dad worked at Disney World and he helped design a bunch of the rides, one of them being the Winnie the Pooh ride, which me and my twin brother were the first ones to ride. So that's like, that's my claim to fame right there. But after, when I was about eight years old, my family, we moved to a a town called Douglasville, Georgia, which is a suburb of Atlanta. And my story, I would say my story really began right around that time, uh, especially right when I hit fourth grade. And so when I was in fourth grade, my brother and I, we started attending private school. We went to a private Christian school. And up until that point, I had been homeschooled my entire life. And so for me, everything was kind of sunshine and rainbows. Everything was great. And I I got to live my life, live my adventures, have fun. And everything was great. And everyone was nice. And uh, when I went to private school, I got to really see a reality and be exposed to different people and realize that not everyone is nice and not everyone is kind. Some people are just mean for the sake of wanting whatever backstory they have or whatever baggage they're bringing in. But even as a fourth grader, people are still mean and still say words that may tear you down. And so I really quickly discovered that I was not what people would call a normal kid because this day and age, you know, people, they love Star Wars. You can like comic books and whatever. And you, can, and you can feel good about that. But uh, when I was a kid, that wasn't cool. So I was a huge comic book nerd. I love Star Wars, love superheroes, and it just wasn't cool back then. And people consistently would make fun of me. I was a just I was a nice kid, but I was a loud kid. I was a rambunctious ADHD hyper kid who just loved talking to people and it just put other people off. And so I got made fun of a lot. And that quickly, um, especially when it affected my grades, because I realized we got, I got diagnosed as being ADD. And so not only was I getting made fun of because of my interests, but I was also getting made fun of because of my grades, because I wasn't focusing like other kids. And so when I got into fifth grade, that continued. And I quickly, because of my ADD, it quickly developed this growing problem with depression and anxiety. And so by the time I had even hit sixth grade, I was already struggling with chronic depression and anxiety. Now imagine this as a fifth grader going into sixth grade, already asking questions to yourself. Like if God really loves me, if God is real, because I grew up in a church home, I grew up in a church home. My parents were Christians, grew up going to church. 
And I really gave, I sincerely believe I gave my life to Christ when I was younger, but my story and my life has, for at least for me, has been less about how I discovered Jesus and more about the endurance across the Christian life. And at first I used to think that made me not have a special testimony, but as I got older, I got to see that connects with so many people, maybe even you right now. Um, and so picking up again, I was, imagine being a fifth grader going into sixth grade and struggling with thoughts such as, man, if God is real, why is it that I feel alone? If God is real, why is it that I feel sad deep down? Why is it that I am struggling with certain things deep down? Why is it if God is real that all these bad things are happening? Does God really care about me? Is he even real? And so going into middle school, I started to really wrestle with this idea of God and the Bible. And even though I knew a lot about the Bible, I started questioning and doubting the scriptures and doubting who God was. And so I was given the freedom. My parents never really forced faith um, on my life. And so they, I, had the freedom to go and start exploring. I started reading up on different religions. I read, read up on Islam and Buddhism and atheism and agnosticism, everything that I could read up on because I was hungry to know what truth is. What is truth? Why is it? I wanted to find an answer for the things I was feeling deep down, but also the answers to the questions that I had in my mind. And then, so I went on this journey. And by the time I hit eighth grade, all of a sudden I started came, coming full round circle and came all the way back around when I went to this camp when I was in mi late middle school. And I don't remember what it was that the, the person who was preaching was talking about, but something that weekend just clicked with me and made me realize that God does care about me. He is for me. And in fact, the reason that I feel so empty inside is because there's someone out there who's out to get me. And it's not God, it's the enemy. Uh, we call him Satan. We call him the advocate. Uh, we call him the accuser. We call him many things, but he is the enemy who wants to drag all that God loves away from him and into chaos and darkness. And so once I realized that I was going up against an enemy and I was buying into his tactics to drag me away from God, that made me realize that, man, Jesus does care about me. He is for me. He is not letting me go through these things for nothing. And in fact, man, God may be allowing me to struggle so that I could have a even greater victory on the other side. Um, there was a short film called The Butterfly Circus and it was so impactful for me. It said, and there was a quote in there that said, the greater the struggle, the more glorious the triumph. And I really clung on to that. And so I chose to, to, to really find Christ again and rededicate myself to following him. And so I got myself this little pocket Bible and starting in ninth grade to 11th grade, I was just obsessed with wanting to know who God is. And so I read the Bible every single day. I had it in my back pocket when I was waiting at a restaurant, I would pick it up and read it. When I was in the line at a, at a store waiting to check out, I would pick it up and start reading through and I would finish it and I'd start over. I had an Old Testament and a New Testament pocket Bible and I would switch them out once I'd read them because I kept them in my pocket. When I was on vacation, I would bust it out and start reading. And when I finished it from cover to cover, I started over and did it again. By the time I had hit 11th grade. I had read through the Bible seven times from cover to cover, trying to know who Jesus is. And when, around that same time, here's something that's also super important for you to know about my story. When I was in ninth grade, we had a new youth pastor and he came in and he discipled me. And we got to see literally over a thousand teenagers come to know Jesus. And he discipled me. We just went out there and went after it. He saw me and said, Caleb, you got a lot of stuff going on in your head. You're all about answering these deep questions about God. I want to take you and get that stuff out of your head and into the streets. And so he taught me what it means to not just sit at home and think about God, but what it means to get outside of my home and live like God, to live like Jesus who went and changed the lives of others. And so we continued to do ministry for several years as I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus. But then something happened. Um, I'm not going to go into the details because it's not my story to share, but there was a moral failure that had happened. And all of a sudden, what happened is um, I, as a student leader who was in charge of a lot of student leaders, had to now kind of, in my own way, take the reins and kind of work as this person who's ministering to these teenagers with no um, no youth minister in charge. And so I was kind of there trying to balance. We were all in this big chaos and trying to balance this 
tension that was going on in our church, this tension of, of trying to find a right youth minister, but then we bring in a new guy and the students don't trust him because of the, the damage that was done previously. But the person they do trust is me, who I was there consistently for them. And so as an 11th grader, I'm to have this big responsibility of ministry and ministering to these teenagers. And I'm doing the best that I can, working as hard as I can, trying to pursue the gospel. And when that, when different people would approach me with their failures, when they would approach me with whatever is going on, they trusted that when they approached me, I would teach them and share with them the gospel of Jesus. And I would show grace to them when everyone else was throwing stones. And I tell you that because as I took the weight of that on my shoulders, that built up problems for me in my life. It built up like it built up baggage where I had to, where I believed there was it was the problem was that I was taking on people's baggage as my own and I was thinking it was up to me to uphold the standard of the gospel and that it, somehow it was my responsibility to care for these people and so as I eventually transitioned waited a year when I went to college in Chicago went to Moody Bible Institute uh, went there for a couple years and while I was there I was struggling really hard with the the baggage that was on my shoulders and the baggage of people's pain and burdens and, and having a passion to share Jesus with other people. And I'm just saying, and I realized I was like, man, it's it's not, there's, there's so much that's going on. There's so much that's on my shoulders. There's so much people's weight. There's so much responsibility that I saw myself having. And I felt like there was at one point where I was like, it's just not enough. Like I'm not strong enough to do this by myself. And in fact, even in the midst of that struggling with the sin, there are other sins in my life that I was struggling with, with integrity and other things that were going on. I was starting to now have the weight of the world that was holding me down when I felt like this responsibility to go and, you know, share God's good news, but not having the strength to do it, let alone overcome the problems in my life, even more so have to help overcome other people's problems as well. And then one day everything changed for me when I was sitting down and I was praying, I was doing a lot of studying on what sin is and God's relationship with us. And all these things came together. And one day I was sitting down and I was praying. And all of a sudden, God brought this question into my heart. And I could feel the question. I don't even know how to explain it other than I just felt the words rise up from my heart into my mouth. And I felt the words just come right out of me. And it was this, the words was a question. And it was, what does it mean to simply love Jesus. And right then, man, everything was clarified. And I had so much new clarity and realizing that the problems in my life, the way, the reason that I'm getting burdened down by this is because I'm trying to do this in my own strength. I'm trying to overcome these problems and other people's problems in my strength. But that's the very problem is that it's not supposed to be done in my strength. It's supposed to be done in God's strength through Christ that we endure suffering through Christ that we overcome the problems in our life and the problems in the world. It is through Christ that we can endure all things through him who is our strength. And that strength is found when I focus on what Jesus has done for me, that he came, died and rose again, that I could have of life and have it abundantly. And ever since then, my life has never been the same. And there's a lot of details in my life I wish I could share, but I really want to focus on the fact that that is what changed everything with for me was that one question. And it brought me back to the truth of what Jesus has done for us, that he loved us so much that he came and died and rose again, that so we can have an opportunity to not only have eternal life, but that we would have the opportunity to be empowered by God, to prepare the world for his return and for the kingdom of God to be on earth as it is in heaven. And so that being said, thank you for listening to this kind of just snapshot of my story. Uh, a little bit about me is you can learn more about my ministry, which is Simply Love Jesus. At, and you can see that by looking up at simplylovejesus.com. You can follow our podcast at Simply Love Jesus as a podcast you can find anywhere. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at SLJ Ministries. Um, and, you know, here in the, in the distant future, we'll be having a book that will be coming out soon as well, which is Simply Love Jesus. And so I hope you've been encouraged by this. I hope that if you have struggles in your life, at the very least, this would remind you to let God be your strength, to not lean on your own strength, your own power, what you think is right, but that instead you would realize the 
the, the victory over your struggles is found in the love of Jesus. And so I hope you've been encouraged. And if I could just remind you of one thing that Rashawn loves for everyone to know, it's that we should start where we are and God will take us to where we need to be. Thank you so much. Well, what up, Michael? So glad to have you on the show, bro. Thank you, Sean. Glad to be here. um, There there was uh, many times uh, and occasions we've been able to spend time together. You remember at the Lee Strobel Mm -hmm. event at first Mm -hmm. and then, you know, the awesome opportunity to come to Hobby Lobby and then the Museum of the Bible hanging out together in D.C. And then again, back to the Museum of the Bible, bro. You're involved with so much right now, and it's so beautiful, one, to watch watch you shine and watch the Lord use your life. I want to hear your story, though, the Michael before all this. You know, yeah. can we can we get into that a little bit, bro? Yeah. Right. So I, I grew up uh, I grew up in a uh, Christian home, regularly attending church. And uh, I joke, I had my entire life mapped out when I was seven years old, yeah. like most people. Right. So when I was seven. Uh, we, that was the year I was baptized. So I was actually came to faith just the year before baptized at seven. The year of completion. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Second was, uh, there was career day in first grade and you're supposed to dress up like the career you're going to have when you're an adult. Every other boy in Miss George's first grade class had on a Michael Jordan Jersey or a Troy Aikman Jersey was going to be a pro athlete. And I was the nerd in a jacket and tie carrying a Bible saying I was going to be a preacher. So that's, uh, that was the dream. So that was my career path. And then a, uh, a cute little redhead started attending our church. And so wow. I met my wife when we were seven. Okay. Too, so. Okay. Did the fireworks yeah. go off immediately or was it a couple of date no nights? Or? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it, I mean, when I was, when we were seven, definitely not. Uh, as we began to enter like puberty and adolescence and yes. things, I, I became very interested in Lauren. Uh, she did not become interested in me so much, but my greatest life accomplishment by far is escaping the Come friend on. zone with Lauren Green. That's <laughs> Love it. And miraculous. I can see it all over you guys. Yeah. You guys are amazing. Uh, really quick, bro. I want to hear sort of how how did the Bible like come mm-hmm. alive to you? And what was that like yeah. encounter, you know, as far as did you have like an encounter with the Lord or was it more like uh, people were able to share their faith to me and it sort of like rubbed off of me. I was ready to follow Jesus. How did that come yeah. to Jesus moment happen? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, there's looking back now, I can see several. The first one that's really memorable to me was uh, I was in sixth grade and mm. I was at a summer youth camp, uh, Christian camp. And I remember there was a day where uh, the intern was speaking, like yeah. the youth intern. And I remember as a sixth grader listening to this youth intern and but had the thought, I don't think this youth intern speaks very often. <laughs> it was really? so, it's just yeah. choppy and stuff, like anyone that's speaking for one of their first times. Yeah. But this intern was teaching how to have a quiet time, how to have time where you sit down and read the Bible oh, every wow. day and maybe write down some thoughts in a journal. And I had never, growing up in church, but I'd never... Uh, heard that and maybe it was taught and I just wasn't listening. But yeah. um, but that youth intern that wasn't very good at speaking at the time that uh, had just a really basic message of, hey, you should read the Bible every day, uh, wow. had an impact on really? me. And it was Love like that. the light bulb went off in, in terms of like, oh, that's something I can do. Like I just saw the Bible as, again, I love the Bible. I love yes. church, but I saw it as like, that's something you do on Sundays. And so mm. then when it was like, oh, that's something you can do every single day. Um, wow. That was really impactful. And then the, the second thing was a few years later, there was a man who uh, gave me a Bible and said, uh, it was a, a nice leather bound Bible, really? you know, not the like cheap student Bible that <laughs> yeah, I'm typically you, using. Yeah, the leather now. <laughs> yeah. He gave me that Bible, gave me a highlighter and pen and said, I want you to read this Bible. I want you to mark it up. And occasionally I'm going to ask you to see it. I wow. want to see and that was really helpful for me to go, okay, you, you feel like, you know, yeah. this man you respect in the church is going to be asking you, I better <laughs> show that I'm engaging with the scriptures. So love it, yeah. bro. Love that. Thanks for sharing. I, I love how even, you know, just the sort of what, what many would say probably feels redundant. You keep saying me, I need to get in the Bible, this and that all the time. Like, and it's over and over. Someone's speaking in your life. Here's the Bible. You need to read it. This, And eventually, you know, it's like, wow. Yeah, that really is helpful. You know, you jumped in. 
But, uh, bro, I would love to ask you really quick, what are some ways, funny ways you engage the Bible? Is there <laughs> anything that's like, yes. oh, yeah. Oh, man. Well, so, I mean, so a good, a good story is whenever I was um, wanting to date mm. Lauren, my wife, and I'm like reading the scripture and I'm reading, like, it's like when you have something <laughs> that you're looking for in the Bible, like mm-hmm. I'm look I, I know what I want the Bible to say. I just got to find a way that it says it. And yeah. so, uh, it was like, I had been, I had taken my Bible to school and so I was like, f- fell asleep on the desk. I woke <laughs> up and, uh, it says awake, oh sleeper. And I'm like, I was thinking about Lauren Are you and it says awake, oh sleeper. I must that's a sign that I'm supposed to be dating. You know, like I'm looking for anything that, you know, (laughs) would uh, would somehow connect to um, uh, me to, this is the word from the Lord that Lauren and I are supposed to date. And I'm so embarrassed. I actually, when we started dating, not only did I share it with her, I shared it with her dad. Like when I talked to her father about dating her, I was like, here are the scriptures, you know, and all this stuff. And uh, I think he, he understood, like, this is a, you know, teenage boy that's trying and clearly yeah. doesn't understand how to read the Bible. God, At least he's trying. Exactly. <laughs> at least he's trying. Yeah. Got it. You know, that's, I love that, bro. Um, so we talked a little bit sort of how, you know, you, you came to faith and also how you first really engaged the Bible in different funny ways you engaged the Bible. Really quick, I wanted to ask you, bro, is there any scriptures that are really meaningful to you when it comes to like your salvation mm-hmm. or uh, just like it's just so deep for you? Like yeah. it, it, it hit it hits home for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, the so the scriptures that are really meaningful to me, I don't remember anything about the uh, the service when I was six and made a profession of faith. And yeah. quite honestly, sometimes wonder whether or not it was a whether or not I knew what I was doing. Right. Yeah, and so it was true. like, I knew I was responding the best I knew then, but um, by God's grace, I've not had, although I've, I, I sin, I fail every day. Yeah. I've not had a season of, of sort of abandoning the faith and leaving the church. And um, so I still take that date, but looking back and, and studying the scriptures now, uh, the scripture that I, mm. I love so much is second Corinthians 521. And it says, God made Christ, God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That's good. And so Martin Luther calls it the great exchange. So sometimes when I'm I'm speaking, I'm preaching on this passage, I'll tell people, okay, I want you to write down on one, have a sheet of paper, write down on one side, God, and the other side, write Michael, write your name. Right. And so under uh, or under G- Jesus, not God. Under uh-huh. Jesus, right? Uh, perfect, holy, blameless. Uh, you know, deserving of riches. Yeah. All these words, and then under your name, right? Sinful, wicked, wicked. Selfish, selfish. You know, like yeah, all this yeah. deserving of wrath. And uh, and what this says is, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, yeah. who didn't know this, to become, to become. the sin that we have for Come us. On. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. And so you like draw arrows from Jesus name to all those things under our name and from our name to all those things under Jesus name. Everything that's true of Jesus that we we get that because he took on on. everything we did. Right. The uh, we owed a debt we could not pay, but he paid a debt he did not owe. And so that's so good. That's the essence of the gospel is just that. Uh, it's not that Christians are are good people. And if you're, you know, that's the point of being a Christian life is try to be a good person. True. Point of a Christian life is we recognize, man, we are not, not good people. Good. Come on. We are sinners in need of a savior. And so uh, when you understand that there is a holy God that's righteous, that's deserving of all worship, all praise, all all adoration and affection. And, and we make, we sin, we we make little gods, yeah. we make idols of different things in our life. We, we chase fame and power wow. and women and whatever it may Come be. On, and they ultimately leave us empty, but we convince ourselves that they're going to bring us fulfillment that only wow. comes in Christ. And so Jesus, not only what, what Christ did on the cross, like Jesus was not only just an example of how we were to live, mm. if that's all he was, we'd be lost. We yeah. can't live up to that example. But Jesus... Yeah lived a life without sin. He was fully God and fully man. Oh, man. So when he died on the cross, he satisfied the wrath of God 
as a substitute for all mankind. That's and so amazing. now we it's not about what we're supposed to do. It's what Christ has already done for us yeah. on the cross. And we live wow. out of that reality by recognizing uh, that we have already been loved by God. We're not living to try and earn God's love. We're living out of the love love. that God's already given to us. I love that, Michael. I love that. It reminds me. So here's two beautiful things I see uh, as you say that. Number one, uh, it's a precious, beautiful gift that we've been saved from our sins, but also redeemed from them, but also we've been saved for something. In the book of Ephesians, it talks about we've been filled with the the fullness of God. Mm-hmm. And and I just think that's so beautiful that like the yeah. Lord laid his son down. He did all these things, but there's another precious side to it that we actually are hidden in him, but he filled us with himself, that's the exactly fullness of right. Christ. Like, bro, I it's, love it's that. It's crazy. I mean, second, I, mean, I just quoted 521. If you go back to five, I believe it's 18, mm. it says uh, uh, that God reconciled us to himself. Wow and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. (laughs) How crazy that God would, like if all God did was forgive us, if all God did was say, I know you've blown it, I forgive you, go and sin no more. That would be amazing in and of itself. But not only does he forgive us, he also invites us to be a part of his family. Yeah, You see the difference? Like he invites us to be a part of his family. And then crazy thing number three, He then sends us out and says, I'm going to entrust to you to do the work of reconciling creation back to me. And so then through the power of the Holy Spirit, we get to join God in what he's doing and reconciling all of creation to himself. Bro, you get me so hyped up. (laughs) That's so good. I love your passion, your love for for the word of God, but also for him himself, bro. Mm -hmm. Like this is such a timely message for us on scriptures and stories podcast because you one with your uh, education but also the the way you live out i think the word of god has just been beautiful for me bro to see from afar you're listening to the converge podcast network and now a message from a network supporter as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com podcast that's indeed.com podcast terms and conditions apply This podcast is sponsored by Denison Ministries. Denison Ministries is a movement creating 7 million culture-changing Christians who are committed to carrying out the truths of the gospel to their sphere of influence through a variety of ways, which is why Denison Ministries is excited about sponsoring what God is up to in the Scriptures and Stories podcast. One of the cool ways Denison Ministries helps Christians feel closer to God is through their First 15 devotional. First 15 is designed to help you spend 15 minutes, your first 15 minutes of your day experiencing God through meaningful devotional scripture, worship, and prayer. Grow closer to God this year. You can sign up for First 15 email devotional sent directly to you every single day through your inbox at first15.org slash subscribe. To start your day off with First 15 devotional podcast anywhere you listen. Let's go. So how was it for you in the Bible transition when was it ever a season where it became sort of like a duty for you? Oh, and yeah. if it was at one point, 
How did you sort of go from the point of a duty to a delight? Like, yeah. I love the word of God. This is everything to me. Man, that's a, that's a good question. I, I think when I was in, um, when I was younger, like in my teenage years, uh, and I had phenomenal youth pastors, but I think I had, and still today have a lot of just like religious pride, mm. right? And feeling like, because I read the Bible, I'm a better Christian than so-and-so and so-and-so and And just kind of being engaging in the scriptures in such a way that it wasn't about my relationship with Jesus. It was about looking good in my relationships with others. And so I was more concerned about being perceived as a man of God than I was being a man of God. Wow. And so when I was in a um, college and was at uh, university of Oklahoma involved in crew there and, um, while I was there, uh, the Lord began to kind of peel back some of that self-righteousness and mm. reasons that I was engaging in the scripture for all the wrong reasons. And it was really, it was the an understanding of the doctrine of God's sovereignty wow. that uh, I think I always had this mentality, like um, because I was a Christian, I was smarter or that, you know, yeah. I, I had had the sense to come to faith in Christ and other people haven't yet. And I care about that. And I want them to come to faith. And when I began to see like, man, like salvation belongs to the Lord. Like it is God who awakened my dead heart. That yes, we all have free will and freely I chose (laughs) and we all choose sin, right? Um, But God awakened my heart to the things of him. uh, And it just, it just crumbled. It my my religious pride crumbled around me because there's no way to be prideful of something that uh, you haven't done. Uh, What do you have that you Mm. have not received? And if Who you have that? received Paul? it, that's Paul. That's Come Corinthians, on, man. Keep going, bro. Yeah. Else? What do you have that you have not received? And if you have received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Right. Wow. So that was that's uh, a word, Michael. That's man, so good. it's so good because that question is so good because, um, you know, what one of I know a scripture that we both love, Psalms one says, yeah. "Blessed is the man who does not uh, delight or does not uh, walk in yeah. the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers." Yeah. All these things that uh, the wicked man does, yeah. but you think he's going to give you some some things that self-help. righteous man yeah, does, some right? Like stuff. You, this <laughs> is what the bad people do. This is what the good people do. But no, he says this is how what the bad people do. Wow. People that aren't following the Lord. But for the man of God, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Uh, Yeah. So so in contrast to the way that uh, we act when we are in sin, Mm. when we are following God, it's not about what we're doing, but it is about what we're delighting in. And we delight in the word of the Lord because the word ultimately gives us truth about God is. And ultimately, John 1, 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Brother, you you preach it. (laughs) Come on. I love that. Love that, brother. I just need. You next to me all day, Robbie walking with you, the Holy Spirit, and that's enough. <laughs> yeah, likewise, man. <laughs> man. But um, I wanted to ask you too, because your book, let's talk about your book a little bit. Um, but before we get there, I wanted to ask you, who are some of the main influencers mm-hmm. uh, or even leaders uh, that have came, you know, in, invested in you mm-hmm. as a as a man of God, bro? Like, yeah. I love it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I, I've mentioned kind of a few of them. So um, most of them are connected to my church. So I'm, gotcha. I'm at Council Road Baptist in Oklahoma City. I'm, I'm still on staff there as uh, one of the executive pastors. And, and man, there were, there were men in that church that invested in me, that, were, uh, that taught me how to read the scriptures, that yeah. taught me how to love God's word. Um, and so most, uh, most of the men I can look to a point back to a local church. And so, uh, anyone that's listening, that, that would be my, my encouragement. Typically when I'm talking to like high school students that are going to college and yeah. they're moving cities and they're kind of going, man, I know I need to get involved in a church. What do I look for in a church? The thing I tell them is you're going to be tempted to look for like, what's the church that has like the best music or who has the best speaker mm, or where are all the girls it. going? Right. Yeah. But, but the thing that I would encourage you above all is, man, find a church that has men of God um, or if a, a woman has women of God that yeah. will invest in you because yes. that even if it's just a short season that you spend in that church, if uh, uh, you know, if you take the time to be discipled by someone, um, which uh, often is hard to like ask for that, you know, like, Hey, would you help mentor me? 
Um, but what I found is when I was working as a young adult pastor is yeah. I would talk to people in their uh, t- 20-somethings, 30-somethings, and say, hey, how would you like a mentor you yeah. know, in your life? Someone to disciple you. Gotcha. Almost without exception. Everyone said, oh, I would love that. But really? they don't have time. Like, you know, they're mm. and just kind of seeing it. And then I go talk to people in their 50s and 60s and say, hey, would you would you be interested in helping to invest in and disciple these young adults in our church? And with almost without exception, it was like, oh, yeah, that would be great. But but they don't want to hear from an old guy like me or whatever. Oh, and it's like, I you see. guys, I feel like a matchmaker. I'm like, you guys like each other, you know? Like, <laughs> that's so hilarious. That's what, that's what impacted me. And that's always my encouragement to others is get plugged in deep to a local church and watch what God can do with it. Amen. Amen, brother. Um, I love that, Michael. I think another thing is that I really admire about you is just, one, your passion for the Bible and, and getting it out there. I want, I, I want I wanted to see your perspective a little bit deeper as far as the next generation, what your thoughts are on them. I love your insights, yeah. even in your book about, you know, the, the the next generation coming up. If you can just share, you know, in their yeah. engagement with the Bible, what is what was the purpose of your book? And, and also, what are some things that you sort of want the listener to take from it when they go out and get it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah. So, so Not What You Think is the, the title of the book. It's the best cover in the world, and, too. Uh, <laughs> Four by Timothy Geller. Oh, man, right? that's right. Yeah. Yeah, you're so glad. Um, Man, that's we always joke like that's worth the whole book. Yeah. You just get it for the few pages of his forward. It's great. Yeah. Um, but the yeah, we in the book, I mean, we're we're writing because we we are millennials. My wife and I co-author this book and we are millennials and we have a passion for our generation and Gen Z just behind us. Mm. And as we were talking uh, to others that were, you know, in our generation, we're finding a, a common theme or common experiences, which is there's a, a small percentage mm. of us that are highly engaged with the scriptures that are reading, that are trying to grow in their faith, uh, and in some ways feel misunderstood by others in our generation. Yeah. And when we began looking at the data from, you know, Barna studies and Pew and others, the data bears that out, that there's about 15 to 20% of millennials, Gen Z that are engaging regularly with the scripture that believe it's the word of God, reading it multiple times a week. Wow. On the other side of the spectrum, there's about 20% that is uh, uh, biblically skeptical, trending towards biblically hostile. Really? Right. And so the Bible is not just, you know, skeptical, meaning I'm not sure about the Bible. I'm not really interested in it. And then all the way to hostile, which is the Bible is the problem in the world. Mm. And in the center there, you have the vast majority. You have over 60% that is either uh, neutral at worst to the Bible or friendly at best. And so you have the vast majority of millennials and Gen Z that their mind about those scriptures is not yet made up. And so we wanted to say, could we write a book that would help really target that center group, that 60%, the majority of our generation uh, to say, hey, we understand that the Bible comes with a lot of baggage. Yeah. You can if you if you pull verses out of context and don't read it in the proper context, it's easy to see, oh, it's oppressive towards women, it's oppressive towards people of color, that it's uh, you know, misogynistic. That's all these different things. Yeah. But when what we want to say is the Bible's not what you think. The Bible exactly. is is something else. It's not primarily about what we're supposed to do. It's primarily about what God has done for mm. us in Christ. And so on, uh, when you when you begin to read it, your your hope often, my experience with um, friends and others, the hope is, is that the Bible will sort of validate and affirm the life that I already want to live. Yeah. And you're often disappointed when it doesn't. But as you continue to engage, you realize there's something so much better, so much more beautiful that it offers in that it offers hope that goes beyond simply, hey, you're fine the way you are, but is yeah. honest about where you are, the mess that your life is in because of love the sin that. that you love. But it also, it points us to Christ who yeah. who loves us, died for us, and uh, and we find our righteousness in him. Come so. on. I think a, a lot of people, including me back in the day, when I would see that Bible, I just would think that it was a book for perfect, perfect people, full mm. of perfect people. Mm. But it yeah. wasn't until... Like I opened up 
the the Bible with the heart, wanting to be taught that I realize it's a sacred book full of crap characters. Mm-hmm. You know, the characters are mm-hmm. jacked up in a way, yep. but but he he redeems them, he restores them, he makes from sinners the saints. You know, I just love yep. that, bro. Um, and and I would love to just you know chime in on this because you're yeah. around the city, you go different places, you travel not only the city, the nation, the world, you you're everywhere. What's one of the experiences or how do you feel whenever you come across somebody in like a Starbucks or Barnes and wherever it is and you see them reading the Bible? Does it happen often? And Hmm. what is uh, is there something you sort of like feel or or, or say or do when you see someone engage in the Bible else like a stranger? Oh, yeah. Outside of church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Acts, uh, Acts 2 talks about the day of Pentecost. Peter preaches a sermon. And thousands of people come to faith. And mm. uh, it's describing the early church and says um, that they lived together and had all things in common. Mm. And what what they're talking about in part is like they literally like sold things they have and like move into like a neighborhood together, basically. Yeah. Uh, but I but that same sentiment could be attached to people of faith. Right. So like I. Uh, I've said I have more in common with my brothers and sisters in Christ that live halfway around the world, more of a brotherhood there than I do with good friends that that don't love Jesus. Yeah, because yeah. the reason is Jesus, when you become a Christian, it's not just attaching Jesus as sort of one of the, uh, you know, uh, parts of you, yeah. but it's, it's, it's laying down Ooh. everything you have so that you can embrace Jesus. And he's wow. the only thing that matters to you. Wow. And so that doesn't mean that you never, you know, yeah. you like bowling. It doesn't mean you never go bowling <laughs> the rest of your life. Yeah. But it does mean that all of a sudden Jesus becomes so much more important to you than bowling that if you have to choose Jesus or bowling, there's no question for us. Gotcha. I mean, there was a, a period where we didn't know if we were ever going to be able to have kids, ever be able to adopt even. And, yeah. and we really had to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, if, if, if Jesus, if God does not provide for us children, we would rather have uh, have life full of Jesus and empty of children than a life full of children and empty of Jesus. Wow. And so that's a good word. So that's, that's the, a good word, well, yeah, that's the, that, and, and, and that's not like, that's the Holy spirit, right? Like mm. that's not me that's able to say that, but, um, uh, and I don't often, oftentimes I say it and I don't, mean it. I, yeah. I want to mean it. Um, and I think that's the, uh, that's the hope that we have. And, and that's the message that I would want people to take from the scripture of like, yeah. this is what it looks like. It's not about, uh, being a person. It's about who you're becoming and wow. who you already that's are. So hopeful. Yeah. That is so hopeful. Oh man, that's so good, brother. That encouraged me. Come on now. Is someone out there listening right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they say, I got you, Michael. I understand. Uh, but here's what I'm running into. I just got kids screaming half the day. Right. I'm running here and there everywhere, you know, doing work and whatever else, doing all these tasks from the moment I wake up. And also my phone, I can't put it down. I'm addicted to my phone. I'm receiving all this information. We live in a crazy chaotic yeah. day. How do you practically slow down and, and, and get into the word of God and mm-hmm. allow it to get into you? Sort of that meditate aspect, bro. What, what, yeah. what, what steps or what would you share with us? Yeah, no, that it's a great, great way you framed it because it looks different in different seasons. Yeah. right? And so um, there's uh, we, we do have a, a daughter now that's two and she's a lot of fun. <laughs> but she's super busy. And so. Um, that's, uh, a lot of times that means, uh, if I'm going to engage with scripture, it's sometime when I'm not mm. taking care of her typically. Yeah. Um, I did try yesterday, uh, to read the Bible, uh, when I was uh, taking care of her yesterday morning and I went ahead and opened my Bible. I had my cup of coffee and, uh, I look up and she's brought over this little coaster that she knows we use and put my coffee on the coaster and then I'm looking at her and she has a photo book that she's looking through and has a little nice. toy cup of coffee. Like she's having her quiet time next to me, you know? So, <laughs> I love that. Um, so sometimes it looks like that Mo- more of the time. It looks like uh, either at night before bed, um, listening to the Bible on yeah. drives, uh, man, there's, mm. there's so much uh, time that we have that we can redeem to just listen to the word of yes. God. And so, um, yeah. And, and then as, as well, and anytime I'm, I'm, 
favorite way to study the Bible is anytime I'm preaching, right? Or preaching yeah. a message to dive deep into a text. Bro, when you study, I got to know this, and yeah. preach. Yeah. Do you do it from the Bible? Or like, do you feel a certain way about either way? Or do you, like... Or do you do it from, you know, your device, Bible or device? Oh, and gotcha, like, gotcha. Does yeah. it matter whenever you're reading the Bible or how do you engage it like yeah. that? Yeah. So I, it's a good question. I have both with me in okay. the pulpit. So cool. I've got my Bible right here opened and I've got the device. Um, often in the Bible, I'll, you know, like make underlines and, and circles and stuff. And uh, that helps me because when I'm reading, I want to, I try and think through beforehand, how am I going to read this mm. so that I'm, I'm emphasizing the words that scripture is trying to emphasize yeah. and uh, slowing down and, and, you know, like having the pauses and, and, and knowing when, okay, I want to stop and talk about this word yeah. right here. Wow. Um, and then I've got, uh, I have my mind races. It goes a bunch of different places. Yeah. So <laughs> I have a manuscript that I loosely stick to, but mainly it's, it's basically just reference points i might read a one a few things from it but definitely uh, yeah but i'm scrolling through my ipad for that love it bro love it um and i i want to speak into this a bit uh you and lauren uh recently adopted a precious baby girl Mm -hmm. uh which has been beautiful to follow even in the social way it's just been amazing um you 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 guys ran into some resistance a little bit you Mm -hmm. know you know with her health and different things like that uh, will you share really quick, sure. what were you processing with, with the Lord and also the word around that time? How were you processing that season? And did it help uh, at all? Like just, yeah, it, 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 as far as your Bible engagement, yourself yeah. personally? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, um, we, we've had several struggles throughout our life. I mean, obviously everyone, everyone's yeah, gone through struggles. For sure. And James chapter one says, consider it pure joy. My brothers, when you face trials of various kinds for the testing of your faith will lead to perseverance and perseverance must finish its works that you may become mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And so whenever we found out that uh, our daughter had a tumor on her liver, um, we weren't far from here. And the doctor called. We had had um, some pretty routine tests that we were doing after we we adopted her in September. This was in November. We're just doing all the doctor's yeah, visits, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and, and uh, they said, hey, we want you to come in, we, we you know, and, and go over some things that we found. And uh, I said, okay, well, next week or, you know, and they go, no, we, we'd really like you to come in now. You can come okay. in today. And so then your heart sinks, yeah. right? You're like, oh, no, what does that like mean? it's an urgent thing. And so um, our pediatrician is a, a close family friend for years. And uh, mm. so she took us into her office and, and shared with us, hey, we found a mass and we believe that it's it's likely that it's cancer. And wow. so um, that was the longest week of my life. Like I'm not a, yeah. a uh, emotional person, not because I'm proud of it, but just yeah, I don't yeah. cry yeah. much by nature. And man, yeah. I was every day I was just bawling wow, um, because it felt like you know, we were in the adoption process for nearly seven years and then seven weeks into having our daughter who we love, we find out that oh, she has cancer. Was, yeah. And, uh, and so you, you just don't know you, you immediately, your mind begins to race to worst case scenarios. Yeah. And so, um, anyway, so that was, uh, during that season was a, a testing of our faith it was a season yeah. where, um, we really got to see, okay, we, we had said, We'd rather have Jesus than children before wow. we adopted. Do we still believe that wow. after we adopt? And wow. so um, it was a a sort of opening of our hands and saying, okay, Lord, this this child is yours. We I have no, I'm completely out of control, right? Like yeah. I have no power to do anything. I can't even, these doctors have some power, but they don't have ultimate power. Like exactly. it is this, this little girl's life is in your hands yeah. and just, um, trust him that if his plan was ultimately for the cancer to take her life or that it still is yeah. and it returns, um, that he is still good and that he has purpose for that. And on the flip side, uh, to know that, uh, man, maybe exactly what the Lord was doing was allowing us to adopt this girl out of mm. an orphanage where she would be oh, able to get the care wow. that she needs, uh, in her life to be spared. Wow. And so, um, so it was, it was crazy. And I got to tell you one of the stories. So we, um, 
it's funny whenever uh, there's times we need prayer, yeah. but like often like you don't want it. Like if your marriage is in yeah. trouble, you, you're you like, you you need prayer, but like you're going to act like you're fine to most yeah, people. Maybe you right. tell your community. Yeah, we're fine. But man, when your kid has cancer, you like lose all respectability. And you're like, I'm asking everyone yes, any way I can yeah. to be praying for her because you recognize for it's sure. all you can do. And so uh, it was beautiful to see the support too. I I, literally some of those comments would bring me to tears. Like just the love, the believers, the brothers and sisters from all over the world coming alongside you guys, even through social media, digitally to to pour into you guys, to pray for you guys. And yeah, so humbled, so humbled by God's glory through your lives. uh, That's exactly how we felt. And like one of the, one of the, I mean, we had people literally from every continent except Antarctica that we heard of that were <laughs> praying for Amen. her. And it's just, uh, so um, we we are going, she gets out of surgery. Um, okay. We find out, they say they, they think it was successful. They got all or most of it. And uh, um, they ended up getting all of it, they found out. And so um, anyway, it was, we're, we're relieved. And 30 minutes later, we're getting uh, uh, checked into the, the PICU, the pediatric yeah. ICU. And a nurse walks in and says, is this Zion? Yeah. I've been praying for her today. I saw on Twitter that uh, it was Lee Strobel that had retweeted uh, our request to pray. She said, I had no idea that she was in Oklahoma. And she's a nurse on our floor. So that was just like a... See, that was a God scene. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, totally was. So guys, if you're out there listening right now and you just need strength... To endure through the struggle as Michael and Lauren and their precious daughter had to endure through that season. God can use the Bible to help you, you know, grow through that season. So love that, bro. Thank you so much, man. And I I wanted to really get you to share sort of reverse in a way because I was recently on your podcast. What's your hope for the future? Can you talk into just, uh, yeah, yeah. What's your hope, bro? And I think there's someone out there who... Who, who may not know the gospel clearly that you can speak into. Yeah. Like, what is this message about? I know you you chimed into it a bit, but yeah, I, I need to know. So let me, yeah, let me answer both of those. So let me start with the gospel. So if you're here and you don't, your understanding of what it means to be a Christian is I try and be a good person. I try and live a good life or my parents are Christian, so I'm Christian. Being a Christian, the gospel message is that there is a holy or righteous God whom we are mm. all accountable to. Wow. And we, that is not good news. Like people say only God can judge me. That's not, that's not not what you want, right? (laughs) Uh, We're all sinners. Like we all are deserving of God's wrath, but Jesus loved us, lived a perfect life, substitutionary death for us, rose from the dead and ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit. So now anyone like Christianity is the most inclusive religion because it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your wealth, your status, anything. Anyone can turn from their sin and trust in Christ and he will send the Holy Spirit to live inside of them. And that means eternal life doesn't begin when you die. It begins right now, today. Um, So that's that's the gospel message. Now, out of that, uh, what's the hope for the future? Uh, ultimately, my ultimate hope is that Jesus is going to return. That all of the, oh. I'm reading the uh, Jesus story, but Bible right now to my, my daughter. If you have kids, oh, yes. I highly it's recommend great. it. And uh, <laughs> one of the refrains is all of the sad things will one day become untrue. I love that. And like, that's the ultimate wow. hope is that one day Christ is going to return. And it's not just that like, oh, suffering will be done, but in some way that the Things that are sad will become untrue. That history will be rewritten. And wow. uh, man, it is a uh, that is. There's nothing you can have that would be more hope. And on a more uh, temporary note, uh, we have. There's a lot of division in our country yeah. right now. There's disease, and there's 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 all these things that are tearing us apart. And uh, my hope is for the church to, in light of the future that they know we're heading towards, to step in into serve and love our neighbors and to uh, have unity within the church um, without uniformity. We don't need to all think exactly the same, you know, act exactly the same, uh, but to be for one another and to be the solution to the problems that we're seeing in the world, because the church has that opportunity 
uh, to step in and be the light of Christ in that love way. that Michael love that and love you bro ah oh, man dude um real quick okay I got two more questions okay and we're, we're, we're gonna yeah. seal it up so I wanted to ask you and I'm sure my wife will caveat to this early off because there's young um you know millennials on here there's mm-hmm. you know some Gen Z from TikTok all over the place but some people just now getting into marriage early years yeah and I remember having those times where we're both Christians, but of course we have those intense fellowships. Although the word of God is good in its life, sometimes if we don't use it right, it can be a hammer mm-hmm. on our spouse or a hammer on our husband. Would you just encourage us on how do how can we navigate yeah. you know, being spirit and word, like walking in, yeah. you know, spirit truth and love. Yeah. Will you speak into that just a little For bit? For sure. Bro? So uh, Ephesians 5 says, uh, husbands, love your wife mm. like Christ loved the church and Come gave on. himself up for her. So one of the things I had to do is, man, early on, uh, we had conflict. And, um, and we, we still do. I mean, yeah, we, we had conflict sure. a few uh, days ago. I mean, there's it's it's a part of marriage. But yeah. whenever I'm, I'm there, uh, when I'm at my best, I look to, okay, how did, if marriage is a picture of the gospel. Yeah. And the man is sort of symbolic of Christ and the woman of the church. Then I have to ask myself, okay, how does Jesus love the church? Well, Mm. Jesus loved the church when the church didn't love him. Jesus laid down his life even when it was unjust. Jesus was willing to do whatever it took to make the church beautiful, even if it meant himself being cursed by God. And so when you have an understanding of that, then what's crazy is marriage doesn't become as much about me being happy. See, that's a trap to fall into yeah. is to think marriage is about my happiness. When in reality, marriage is more about your holiness. It's more wow. about God forming you into the person Praise that he God. has uh, made you to be. And he's going to do it through marriage. And that's going to so come good. through conflict. Yes, but love that. Conflict plus resolution equals intimacy. That if you mm. push through that conflict to a resolution uh, that you can have intimacy and a Christian marriage, yeah. you have the opportunity to, uh, because uh, in a Christian marriage done well, done right, yeah. divorce is taken off the table and you're saying, I'm, I'm here and I'm committed. Mm. If divorce is on the table and you're in a conflict with your wife, right? You're in a conflict with your spouse. Then there's part of you in the back of your mind saying, I have to mask this. I have to smooth this out so that it doesn't end. I, Cause I'm not sure what's going to happen to our relationship. Wow. Wow. If you have a foundation of Christ and the church, I am not leaving. I am not budging. And we are, we are sticking this out Come together. Then great, all of a bro. sudden the, the conflict that you have, the tension, you can be honest about the ways that you've wronged one another because yeah. you're not worried about them leaving. And it's actually going to take you into a deeper relationship than it would before. Love it. Thank you for that. Thank you for that, bro. I know I'm no, I'm going to rewind this back. That was so nice. <laughs> I got to hear it twice. But <laughs> uh, Okay. To close out, bro. I know you chimed into your, your verse. Will mm-hmm. you state it one more time? Really yeah. quick. Scriptures and stories podcast. We want to hear that scripture one more time. De- definitely. Second uh, Corinthians 521. God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness Mm. of God in him. The great exchange. The great exchange. Bro, where can everyone find your book, find your social media? Sure, yeah. Uh, So uh, I'm I'm at Michael McAfee on on pretty much all the platforms. And uh, 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 my website, which has links to where you can get the book, is michael.bible. So if you go to there, you'll... We'll connect and would love to hear awesome. from you. I love that. I love how you got the dot Bible. Come on now. Yeah, That's man. exclusive. <laughs> McAfee's hard to spell sometimes. <laughs> so that makes it easier. Love it. Oh, hey, Michael, share about the podcast. Yeah. Oh, really quick. Please share about the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, Inspire. so I'm a uh, I'm a co-founder of an organization called Inspire. We take groups on Christ-centered Bible experiences that help to make Bible reading simple, enjoyable, transformational. That's primarily at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. But obviously no one's, people aren't traveling right now. And so (laughs) we're taking our show uh, digital. So we have a podcast, uh, the Inspire podcast with Steve Green, Michael McAfee, and you can uh, listen to us on anywhere you get your podcasts and and hopefully be encouraged in at least a fraction of the way that you are here on scriptures and stories awesome love it guys yeah jump over there right now um 
we may even be able to bring an exclusive episode on here later Come from on. his podcast. So, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, jump over, buy his book. Come on. My whole community group thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, we, we love you, Michael. I want you back on here ASAP with the wifey next time. Let's do Come it. Come on. <laughs> All right, bro. Thanks, brother. Yes, sir. listening to Scriptures and Stories with Rashawn Copeland. For more information about this show, visit ConvergePodcastNetwork.com. show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.